Hello and welcome back to another Away End Show brought to you by the Elite Football Show. We haven't done an Away End Show for a very, very long time, but because we're playing Arsenal and because Pete from the Le- Grove was such a good guest last time, we had to make an exception. So Pete, welcome back. How are you feeling? Last time we spoke, well, we thought we were going to win. <laughs> we lost. Oh God, that game haunts me because we went on a great running win streak and, until yesterday when we lost. But how are you doing? How are you feeling since that game? And uh, Arsenal are playing pretty well at the moment. Yeah, I mean, like we had a great, great win against you, but it was the start of the worst run in living memory. So uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've been through the wars. You know, we've we've been to some pretty dark places over the last two to three months, but finally things look like they're starting to pick up for Arsenal. So, um, you know, Arsenal versus Man United, it, it's it's going to be an exciting game again. It's going to be competitive. Um, you know, you're going to see some great players on the pitch. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be a classic. Yeah, absolutely. Kieran is back with me as my co-host. Kieran, welcome back. Last time we spoke, obviously, um, well, United lost to Sheffield United, didn't they? So, you know, they've got a really, really big task. They can't make it become... You know, more than a blip, it has to be right back on it. United have to win, I think, on the weekend if they want any chance of winning the title. Myself and you included, we never really thought United are going to win the title, but United are in the title race. You can't, the table doesn't lie. They are where they are because they've done fantastically well since that Arsenal game. I believe that's the last time we lost in the league. That was November 1st or, or around about that time. So it's a fantastic run, but yesterday was disappointing. And um, do you expect the boys to get back straight into it? Because there have been times in the past where when United lose, they lose quite a few. Yeah, I think the best thing for the United team is that there's a game three days later because when you lose a game, the way the, that they did because they didn't play that great, there's probably moments in the game that we can say that was that was okay. But again, it was one of those games that it's it just seemed like a lot of the players let it pass by. So yeah, I think the best thing for them is just the fact that there's a game pretty quick. And that's the good thing about this season. Teams that do go on, that are on good runs and have a disappointing result, you can rectify that pretty quickly. But also losing one or two games or then it kind of can go on worse as both we've seen before at the start of the season for United. And then as Pete said, after they beat United, they went on a really disappointing run for about two months. So it's it's a it's a weird season the fact that there's so many games and that can affect kind of the mentality of the players as well and i think we're seeing that this season yeah i agree look it's uh fixtures coming thick and fast i mean i've done a podcast pretty much twice a week because we've got games twice a week you know so it's just going it's absolutely crazy i'm tired imagine what the players are feeling but pete let's talk about what happened after arsenal beat manchester united last time because it honestly looked like arteta was on the brink and i think that was quite quite crazy that being in the job for about a year and it looked like he was going to lose it and I, I actually credit Arsenal a lot and I said this the other day when I saw Frank Lampard getting sacked May United gave Ole Gunnar Solskjaer time and it looked like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was going to get sacked they gave him time and now they're reaping the rewards and it seems the same thing with Arsenal they didn't jump the gun they didn't bow to fan pressure didn't bow to Arsenal fan TV and uh, other people in America uh, I'm not going to mention anyone not you because you're, you're a decent one but um, you know there were some really horrible things you were seeing and fast forward now, you look across the bottom on the, on the ticker, Arsenal have unbeaten in five, some great form just behind Chelsea. They're about 11 points or 10 points behind Manchester United, who are in second. 
what a turnaround from Arteta considering where he was facing the sack. Yeah, I think the new managers into, you know, like the first ever managerial job, a lot of them go through these horrendous runs, but because they're not at major clubs, it kind of goes under the radar a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think the the North Star for Mikel Arteta was Ralph Hasenhutl, uh, um Southampton. He went through an awful run, um, you know, almost in parallel to, but a year later for what happened to Arteta, you know, joined the club in January, started the second, his first full season with a horrendous run of results. I think he, you know, there was a, a ground zero result of losing to Leicester, like 9-1 or something like that. Um, but then things started to, to, to work it, work, work their way out. And I think that Arteta, he made some horrendous decisions in the summer. Um, he had a very odd loyalty to senior players that were letting him down and then the worst results got the the, the less um the less open to new ideas he seemed to become and um I, I think any other major club he probably would have got the sack and I'm glad that he didn't because there were some things that were totally out of his control um you know I think Thomas Partey played against you guys and we won and we were all cooing over this incredible Rolls-Royce midfielder. And then we lost him. I think he played two and a half games up until January. Uh, not many teams can lose a Thomas Partey, especially a team with a midfield as bad as Arsenal. Gabriel Martinelli, um, you know, he's a he's a pressing force and we didn't have that pressing ability. Willian was a complete disappointment, but we'd spent so much money on him. We had to at least find out that he was totally uninterested. And then you start getting all the internal strife Arteta left out. There's a Ozil from the squad. William Saliba was causing a lot of headlines. Um, and it's very difficult to move a team forward when there are so many corrupt issues going on in, in inside the inside the club. The culture wasn't right. And then uh, by um by by luck, or uh, you know, Arteta said that it was always part of the plan, like we we stumbled on a solution, and it was what most Arsenal fans have been calling for from the from the summer. Play young players. Play players that actually give a shit and ditch people that aren't in form and then see what happens. And, you know, Emil Smith Rowe changed Arsenal's season. Like, you're going to see him on Sunday. And if he plays, because he's got a bit of a tweak, I think he got cramped, but he should be starting on Sunday. He's a phenomenal little player. No, he's um, class, mate. Really good player. Everything really simple. He moves the ball at speed. He's difficult to mark because he's all over the pitch. But like his energy and vibrancy with Saka, uh, Lacazette coming back into form, it's lifted us. And now we look like a, you know we're a team that could have you know we were seventeenth in the league for shots um, for shots taken. And now we're starting to climb. And now you're seeing like 10, 15, 20 shots in a game. And it's like whoa, what is this? But we're still retaining some of that defensive solidity. So um, Arteta did turn it around. You've got to give him that. It looked bleak. I don't think he would have got that chance at any other club. But um. I'm glad that we're now starting to see a little bit of his vision, starting to see some attacking performances, and it's starting to look like an Arsenal that you want to sit down and, and, and pay money to watch. I uh, completely agree. Before I move on to Kieran and ask him about United, I'm going to come back to you, Pete, and let's talk a little bit about Meza Ozil and then Smith Rowe, because there are a lot of shouts for Ozil to come back in the side. Did you ever feel like Ozil should have come back? I know he's gone to Fenerbahce now and it, that is the right decision. You need to get those huge white wages off the books. But was there ever 
a part in your mind thinking, look, Arteta, you're being a bit stubborn. You've got to get some creativity in this side. I mean, look, let's be completely honest with you. Although you were better than us, I think, in the game at Old Trafford, I, I don't think you created anything from open play. It was the fact that penalty by Pogba, and that's how you won the game. I mean, it was an absolute dull affair. But you must have thought at times, United need create, um, Arsenal need creativity. You've got a man sitting there who is is creative. Yeah, he might have declined a little bit, but Arteta, you're being stubborn here. I think that I think that the temptation is always to fall back on on the obvious. If you know, if I was if I was managing the football club and I, I had about as much as experience at top flight management as Arteta did when he took the job, I I think that I I probably would have said Mesut, like this is your last year at Arsenal. If you have a great year. You'll get a, a, a good a good role at a good club, um, and le- like it's in your interest to be amazing and do what I asked you to do this season. We went for the nuclear option, and then once you go for the nuclear option as a manager, you cannot go back on that decision because that shows weakness to the squad. It shows that you're not a principled leader. It's it shows that you're a flip flopper, and that's kind of what happened to Emery. He binned Özil. He binned Aaron Ramsey. And then under fan pressure, he brought them back into the side and he never recovered from that. And I think Arteta was very clear um, that, that, that that had the potential to end his fledgling career. So he stuck by his guns and, and we exited him. I also think there was an interesting interview with James Madison where, you know, a footballer actually giving some true insight into the game. And it's the, the presenter asked him it, about the dirty work. And he said, Brendan Rodgers always says, Everybody has to do the dirty work when you play for Leicester City. And you see that on the pitch. Everybody works as hard as everybody else. And, you know, the results show, you know, look where we are in the table. And Meza Ozil does not do the dirty work. And in uh, an inexperienced team that also lacked lacks top-class talent, you can't afford a luxury like Meza Ozil. There aren't many players in the world that don't do both sides of the game. Like, he's a dated number 10 and even if you look at the numbers, Andy Carroll had more assists than Meza Ozil last season than Meza Ozil had had in two seasons. The numbers just weren't there anymore. Um, he's living off, you know, a couple of really good seasons. Um, and I think overall, he's just not motivated. He doesn't care. He's, he's on the retirement run and Fenerbahce suits him, right? Because, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an inferior league. He'll be able to do what he wants and he'll still look amazing on those YouTube clips. So, yes, it would have been nice to have a bit of his creativity, but long-term correct decision. He's out the door now. Smith Rowe's come in and has just eaten up that chance. And I think Arsenal players will accept there will be some bad games with him, but at least we've got, uh, you know, maybe a future England 10 um, that's playing for us now. And I think, you know, we've all forgotten Meza apart from his super fans, but who cares about them? <laughs> spot on. Absolutely spot on. Kieran, I'm going to ask you your thoughts because... The Arsenal game when United lost was a massive turning point for our club. I mean, that run we went on, it's just last night. I mean, guys, we're recording this on Thursday night. So last night was just absolutely diabolical. I mean, you know, of all the ways to have lose a winning run like that or unbeaten run, that was just the worst way possible. But you've got to give Oli and the, the lads credit for the way that they turned around because there were several games. We went into Everton game as well, where if United didn't win this, if you could have said goodbye to Oligan Solskjaer. To have the run that we have had, beat Liverpool in the FA Cup, we're improving as a side. 
that is really brilliant for Man United. And they should be confident, shouldn't they, with all of that sort of form that's running up to this game coming up on the weekend, that they should be able to put a result past this Arsenal side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, I think both teams can actually be, they can commend the players because when you tend to have a really bad run in the league, we had it at that start of the season. Some of those performances were some of the worst I've seen United have in the last couple of seasons. You look at that Crystal Palace game, you look at Brighton, you even look at the Arsenal game, we were terrible in that game. But they turned it around. And that goes to both the players and the manager. And the one thing it shows is that the players trust the manager. Because if the players don't trust the manager and you're starting to struggle in games, that tends to continue. And it's the same for Arsenal. The fact that they turned it around, and it goes to what Pete said, is that they brought in players that actually cared about winning and didn't just care about just playing playing games just for playing game's sake. We saw a similar thing happen at Manchester United about a year or two ago when the likes of Mason was brought in. You saw that these are players that really wanted to play for the club. And we're now seeing that at Arsenal. Now, I've, I've said this for a while, and there's a couple of Arsenal fans that, that are friends of mine, and I because I follow the academies very closely, and I was shocked that nobody had been given time. And really, Saka was the only one that you were starting to see kind of being blood into the team. But sometimes you do need that. And I know a lot of people complain about just bringing in youth players because... They say that managers are only doing that because if a youth player is successful, then it kind of gives a manager a little bit more time because he's trying to actually build something. And I know the way fans are now, that they just want new signings and that's it. But like, for example, Pete, would you prefer if you were playing against Tottenham and you saw Partey score a winner, winning goal or Smith Rowe or Saka score a winning goal? Like personally, as an Arsenal fan, what do you, what would you prefer to see? You always want to see uh, your homegrown talents do well. You know, you you go on a journey with these kids, and um, they just they just mean something more to the club. You know, Bukayo Saka is one of the top talents in European football at the moment, and he's started to add goals and assists to his games. He started to dominate. Um, you know, he's he's. He's almost one of the most senior in the in the team now, just with his presence on the pitch. And Arsenal fans love him, and he loves Arsenal. And you know, we've got this like collection of kids that we call the Haylenders, um, and they've rescued our season, and they've got this 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 culture um, because they've all grown up together. And uh, fan fans love to see it. They they love to see it. I, I'd take anybody scoring a winner against Tottenham, if, if yeah. I'm completely honest. <laughs> but it's it's extra special because. I think it takes so much to, to make it in the Premier League. And you see all these kids going off to, you know, to Holland. They're going to France. They're going to Germany to get minutes. Uh, to have the guts to stay in, in the Premier League, the toughest league in the world, and to look like, you know, comfortable in it. I, I, I think it's phenomenal. So, um, yeah, Arsenal fans are really excited about um, the, the homegrown aspect because we haven't had it for a long time. Yeah, the biggest part to what you said are that I kind of talk about when it when it comes to United as culture is that a lot of these kids have they've been inundated with the culture of the team and around the club and especially in the two teams now with Arsenal and United have gone through many differences with when Ferguson left and when Wenger left these kids have been there and even as young age seeing what it means to be these players and 
they take it on. And you look at the likes of Marcus Rashford, you look at like Mason Greenwood, who in their own right have been criticized so much by fans, media members, and they've done nothing but put in the hard work to be successful in the Premier League and both have. And you're seeing the same with Bukayo Saka as well. And now we're starting to see Smith Rowe. It's it's a shame that there's a lot of fans out there that don't kind of get behind these players. We've seen it. Look, it's been a really bad 24 hours, I think, for a lot for a portion of Manchester United fans that attacked one of, especially one of the youth players in in yeah, the team. Ra- racist and, abuse. Yeah, Ian Martial, just disgusting. Yeah. And look, there's there's no excuse, especially when you consider you look at in football now. That, that that should not be happening. It shouldn't have never happened, but especially now with everybody having this kind of platform of social media, it's it's completely unacceptable. But it goes in again with one of those players that got criticised was someone that, and I said this earlier, he embodies what it means to be a Manchester United player. He came through the system. He was a captain for pretty much every single youth team. And again, it's, it's unfortunate. And we mentioned this a lot, Hader, that the new type of fan is they just want change for change sake. And it goes back to this whole manager discussion that we had. You have to commend both Arsenal and Manchester United for sticking with their managers because they believed in the long-term plan. Because it was very it would have been very easy for both clubs to when they're going through their really bad form this season to sack the manager, like we saw with that Chelsea have just done. But the fact is there's belief in the two managers, even though it may have not been going too well. They know that there's that long-term plan. And if you sway from that, well, then we can take Arsenal's example where they brought in Partey. He's brought in Saka and introduced him into the side. And now Smith-Rowe, I know he wasn't there at the time. But if you got rid of the manager, his plan has now gone up in the air. And now you have to decide, well, who's the next person to come in? If you bring in somebody else that doesn't believe in youth then you might not see what we're seeing right now with smith Rowe, which is like you said he could be one of those number 10s for england in in a few years time if he continues what he's doing the other interesting point is what happens now with arsenal with the fact that they brought in Udegaard as well in that kind of position it's it's one of those things if you can see smith Rowe where he starts the whole time even though he, this guy's been brought in you should you see that he has the right mentality. He's that winning mentality that's really difficult to find because there's a lot of players now that just want to be given their position and if there's any competition, they just fall. So I think, again, I think it has to be commended for both teams that they've really looked at this long-term plan and even in times of kind of turbulence that they've actually stuck with it. And like I said, I think both teams should be commended and hopefully we see a really good game at the weekend. I agree. Pete, I'm going to push it towards you now and it's a bit of a two-parter so the first one is what Kieran did mention about sacking so I do want to get your opinion on Frank Lampard because I do think Chelsea jumped the gun I think he should have been given to the end of the season he was backed yes but when you have that many players to integrate into a team and you spend that much money 250 million you're not going to do it in six months time we're all guilty of it I was guilty of it I've been guilty of it you know frustrated that Solskjaer hasn't got United playing better, but actually the patience and the waiting, that's been the right thing to do. And United fans criticise Ed Woodward a lot, the board a lot, but they believe in the long-term project to Manchester United. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer might not be the best manager around. 
but you got to give him credit. And I don't think he gets the, enough credit from portions of the media. So my first question is, Frank Lampard, what are your thoughts? And, and the two part to that, when I look at Arsenal, I feel like they're about six months to a year behind where United are. Do you look at United and the way that there is progression and the project is moving forward? Do you look at United as a an example of if, not, if Arsenal fans are a bit more patient, that's where Arsenal could be in a year's time? Yeah, and just, and just before I get in there, because Kieran, I thought I, I, there was an interesting point in there. I think that um, there is there is analysis, and then there is attention seeking wrapped up as analysis. And sadly, people gravitate towards attention seeking wrapped as analysis. So you get fraud watch. Uh, you get. Um, comparing two players, like one player has a bad game and he's finished. He's, and it's it like it really muddies the water. And the saddest thing about, um, you know, firstly, Rashford is a lightning rod uh, in the UK because he wanted to feed kids school lunches. It's, it's, it's absolutely absurd that somebody that's doing something with his spare time gets so, such grief um, after having a bad game. I find it really embarrassing. But I think the, the difficult thing is it's like, we should ignore it, right? Like, what's the, the what's the correct analysis? Who cares if everybody, you know, young players have bad games and, you know, we should try and move past it. But the, the people with the big accounts that get the, 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 the headlines are the people that call for sackings, that call for you to sell a player after he has one bad game. And it's just, it's so, it's so boring. You just want to get like, let's get to, let's get back to like good football analysis. Like, I feel like Sky, Sky Sports does a great job. Everybody likes living listening to Carragher and, and Neville because they're good analysts of the game, right? It's And it's interesting. And it's like, I just don't understand why some of our online tastes are like, I want to see somebody uh, screaming at a microphone about why Arteta should be fired. It's, it's, it's really boring, but it's just part of the, it's, it's part of football culture now. And I think it's the, the person worse. that you're talking about Pete, is in particular, I mean, might as well say troops. And I, I thought he was all right. I quite liked him. At Arsenal fan TV. Yeah. He, they scream and shout, but he was authentic. Now what you're seeing, he sold his soul, mate. He sold out. And it's, it's, it's really sad. And it's actually embarrassing. And I feel sorry for your fan base. Cause our fan base isn't far behind, by the way, in terms of people mock Arsenal's fan base, but actually our fan base, I would argue is just as bad. Well, from what you've seen in the last 24 hours, from what you see with, other fan channels and the way that they rile up. I mean, it's little things like this. I'll say Van der Beek's the number six. He's not a number six, but because they've got such a big following that majority of people will just take what this person says as gospel. And that's it. Anyone with their brain knows Donny Van der Beek cannot play number six right now in the Premier League. And you probably might never be able to. And, but this is a problem that great analysis gets glossed over because it's not sensationalism. It's not interesting. It's not headline grabbing. But people that shout the loudest, unfortunately, they're the ones that get heard. They're the ones with the numbers and they're the ones essentially that profit from the failings of their football club. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's TV ratings nowadays. And, uh, you know, the, for the general populace, it seems to be the trend at the moment that, you know, it, like the watch along games. And I, I, and I, would, I, I don't criticise anybody for, for doing that. If you can make money shouting at the screen, good for you, right? You've, you've found a niche. And if if you don't create it, someone else is going to create it. But it's when it's when that that sort of attitude starts filtering into like a mainstream view about something. It's like hold on a minute, like there's entertainment and then there's analysis and then there's attention seeking. And I I feel like you shouldn't get those mixed up um, when like trying to 
compute what your what your view on football is. And um, I, I, back to the on the Frank Lampard thing, uh, you know, I, I don't think the I don't think that Frank Lampard is an, is an elite coach. Um, and but if you are going to invest in Frank Lampard, you have to give him uh, more time. If you're going to give him, let him spend 250 million, let him see that through instead of chopping and changing. But Chelsea's, um, you know, f- footballing philosophy is to change quick and um, fix it. And I think that Frank Lampard's problems went beyond what happened on the pitch. I think he's quite, he comes across as quite an arrogant guy. I think yeah. he was having uh, trouble with leadership at Chelsea. Did you read the uh, Athletic article? Did you read that at all? I, He'd I, fallen I, out with senior le- senior players, hadn't spoken to them for months. Was was? Uh, I think he's one of them. You know when you have a player who is so good? Like you think about, let's say, Paul Scholes. I reckon, he, well, we saw him in management. He wasn't particularly good. But you know when a player is so good, they can't understand why lesser players that they coach can't do certain things? I get that impression with Frank Lampard. And I get that. I get the impression if you can't do what he wants you to do, like I say, the man management aspect, you get cold. I think it's what everybody thought Zidane was going to be, right? Everyone was like, Zidane's not going to be able to coach players because he's going to be like, how come you can't pick out a ball that's coming straight down at you in a Champions League final and put it in the top corner? But Zidane didn't suffer from that in the end, you know, like whatever the sort of coach that he is, he does bring players along. But Frank Lampard is very spiky um, with the media very spiky with other managers and some of the arrogance that he showed wasn't really backed up on the pitch. Like, you know, I think that Chelsea fans felt that he was a, a, a bit naive. The football wasn't always great. And, and Chelsea for the first time in a decade, a bit, a little bit soft. And um, it was almost the same problems that he had at Derby as well. You know, like he could put together an attacking structure, but wasn't very good at fixing that, that midfield to be solid. So I, I think Thomas Tuchel's a fantastic coach, uh, but again, if you if you wanted someone to come in and agree with everybody, it's certainly not Thomas Tuchel. Um, but uh, it is interesting. I think Chelsea are four points behind Liverpool, and Frank Lampard's been fired. It's like how much better would Thomas Tuchel be in a, in a season that's a complete mess for everybody? I mean, you're second in the league. If we beat you at the weekend, we'll be seven points off second place. After our our worst ever run, well, our worst run in living memory, it's just a nuts season. And you have to say, is that because every manager is shit or is that because the situation with no fans, with this like truncated fixture list is maybe makes it difficult. And also, you know, we do forget having this debate with people. They're like the, 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 the quality level in the Premier League is not as good as elsewhere. Absolutely incorrect. The quality of the Premier League is the best in the world, pound for pound. We yeah. don't have Madrid's and Barcelona's and Juve's, but that's a good thing. And everybody can be everybody. And I'm, I'm thankful that it, it feels... Who, like who thought United would lose to one of the worst Premier League sides in a long time? Sheffield United last night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No one and thought that. It's um, And Aston Villa, I, I, they've had a bit of bad luck lately. What a fantastic team to watch. You, you put that Aston Villa side in La Liga and they would do some damage, right? So uh, I, I think the um, I think that it would have been unfair, you know, you, and maybe it would have been fair to you know Arteta's run was particularly disgraceful, and you know maybe he should have gone. But now we're in spitting distance of top four, and I think that that was always the plan this season. You know, to, we don't have the you know the fourth best squad in the league, 
But as long as we can be in or around the mix and we can start beating big teams and start playing good football, we'll be happy with that. So I'm glad that um, Arsenal run the way that they are. I've obviously got some issues with it, but I think a young coach that loves the club, that's invested in it, is the way is the way forward for us. You know, we can't have a Thomas Tuchel because we can't give him 150 million pounds. We can't have a Pochettino for the same reason. Uh, so growing, having a coach that will grow with us and hopefully grow us back to the top. Um, you know, that's the dream right there. And hopefully we'll we'll see a, some a bit of continuity on Sunday by beating United and showing that this run isn't a fluke. Yeah, spot on. Uh, what do you think of United's progress? I want to get a uh, non-United fan because United lose yesterday and you see Oli out and all this sort of rubbish. And you know, it's, it's an indictment of the current, uh, the current modern football fan, I think. But after being criticised... Um, abused by the media, still doesn't get the credit he deserves. What a turnaround from the guy. He's obviously not as clueless as a lot of people in the media think and a lot of the large sections of the fan base think. He's done a fantastic job, hasn't he? Look, I, he he's not trendy. He's not a fashionable guy to look at. You know, he's not does not have the swagger of Mourinho. He doesn't have the energy of Pochettino. But the, the table doesn't lie. You know, you, you, he's managed to, after Paul Pogba looked like he was exiting, after you know some of that odd behaviour and you know those comments from his agent, um, Paul Pogba looks like he's he, he's playing again. You know you're a, a really really dangerous side that's um, that's young, attacking. It, it's starting to feel like a, a Man United of old. But there's going to be blips this season um, because there's been blips for for every side. So I, I think the I think the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done a brilliant job to. Um, to get you where you are. I think that you will be in the top four for sure this season. Um, and I, I, if Arsenal were in this position next year, I'd be thankful. The only thing that I would um, maybe question, the thing that I think United fans have got to look out for is that XG, right? Like you, you're the, the second luckiest team in the league. I think you're like eight, eight points better off than... Perhaps you should be. And I know XG isn't the be-all and the end-all, but Unai Emery uh, crushed his first 22 games, but his XG showed that he was incredibly lucky. And the challenge is, when the luck stops going for you, have you turned around the issues that are leading to the luck? Like, is the defence tight enough? Does it get better so that when the luck stops coming, you're, you know, it's nil-nil draws, it's not losses? Um and I think that would be the only thing that I say. You know, the penalties will dry up at some point. The luck will start. Happening I remember the last time we had the penalty during six games. Is it six, seven games now? No penalties. Yeah, I forgot it, what it, feels but like. it was. It was. It was an important thing. And you know, like I, I think that. Um, I think that I, if, if you can get out of that, I mean, the the squad that you've got looks fantastic. I think you know, get a decent keeper in there. Uh, because De Gea de, de, hasn't looked good for a long time. Then I, I think it would be. Um, you know, I think you'll you'll be a resident in the top four for the next five years to come. Yeah, some fantastic points. So the XG thing actually came up the other day, Kieran, and uh, I tweeted about it saying it does level out. And yes, you can say United have been a little bit lucky, but I think in in general, you know, over the past few years, so you think about the Mourinho era, United were very unlucky. They were actually doing below the XG. So, no, it's, it's a good metric over a certain length of time. And uh, it's definitely something to look out for. But, Kieran, I want to ask you, how do you think United are going to line up on the weekend? We've got a few problems, I think, in attack. We can all say that Martial has to be benched. I don't want to go in too much into detail about him because, you know, enough's been said. 
But how do you expect Oli to line up? Because it looks like we'll go back with McFred in field. Didn't want the first time. We will go back to that. Will Pogba play on the left? We'll see. I think Mason should start, but if Pogba's on the left, Rash will be on the right. So uh, how do you expect us to line up on the weekend? I think there's a difference between how I expect us to line up and how I would like us to line up. Um, I completely agree. I think Martial needs to be dropped because it's not the fact that he's not performing. It goes back to actually what Pete said earlier. He looks like he doesn't give a shit when he's out there. And that's the biggest problem. You There was just that one clip of the second goal and Martial was in the frame for about eight or nine seconds. And Bruno's in there for one second and Bruno nearly makes a tackle. Martial doesn't come close. That shows that he, he doesn't care. And I've said this for a while and it's not about... I know some fans, if you mention that he doesn't care, they'll say oh, you're just another person saying about because of his facial expressions. It's not. It's nothing to do with that. It's actually how he plays on the pitch. If you are doing a lot of defensive work, like you see Bruno does, and Pogba has been doing the last couple of games, you can see that they're invested in the team. The one problem I have about Martial is anytime there seems to be competition for his position is he just drives up and he doesn't, he doesn't play well. I you can probably pick out one or two games this season that he's had a good game and that's a big issue and it's crazy to think of that and United are second in the league. If you had someone that was performing in that position consistently, you just have to think of how much better it would be. United would walk this league if that was happening. If their front three was they, firing, they'd be yeah, so if, far ahead. If their front three was firing, they wouldn't have been as close in a lot of the games. And it kind of goes back to the whole for me, XG is, is great to a certain point, but I also am kind of an advocate that you earn the luck that you get. And um, the one thing I always that's always interesting is when people talk about the the penalties. And yeah, United have got a lot, but I think what some people don't pick out is why are teams like Man City and Man United getting penalties? It's because their attacking players are skillful. And when yeah. they're in the box, they have really good close control. And the way the way the league is now kind of refed is that if you get caught at all in the penalty box, it's a penalty. And if you have someone that has really good close control, and look, that's the one thing Martial has been doing decent at. He's actually won a fair few penalties, but it's because his control is, is really good. And if someone makes a split-second mistake, it's a penalty. Um, but yeah, to go back to the team, I think De Gea will be in goal. The defence, most likely, I would say, is going to be Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire and Shaw. Um, I would say it's going to be Fred and McTominay. I think I would prefer the midfield to be closer to what we saw against Liverpool at the weekend. And instead of um, Donny van de Beek play, I'd want to see Bruno. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably going to be Fred and McTominay. You might see Pogba on the left or on the right. And then you probably see Bruno, Cavani, and um, Rashford. But like I said, if I was picking it, I would like it to be Fred and Pogba. You have Bruno, then you have Greenwood, Rashford, and Cavani. Because look, the way Arsenal are playing is that they're going to press you. And we've seen it time and time again. When Fred and McTominay play together, they can't get out of the press. Fred can do it when he has Pogba with him. And yes, look, it might... It might mean you open up a little bit more, but it also means that you have more attacking talent on the pitch that you can really go at Arsenal as well. 
I think if you look at the last two games, we were pretty bad against Sheffield United yesterday. In terms of the attacking intent, I think Greenwood's been excellent the last two games. He's been yeah, really he looks direct. direct, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He looks closer to what we saw at the end of last season. Um and I don't know what it is. He could have been carrying a, an injury that we don't know about, or like we said, the there's been a lot that's been going on in his life that could have been affecting him, and then maybe he's just getting over that hump now. Um, but he was excellent against Liverpool. He was really good against Sheffield United. I don't know how he was the attacking player that was taken off. And this is the only, I think this is the only issue that Solskjaer does have as well. Um, and Pete mentioned it that Arteta went through when it, the results became bad is that they do kind of have their favourites at times. And I think he needs to actually look at the performances rather than that. Um, but I think this is the one game that Cavani has to play because you really need to go at that Arsenal defence. Because if you can get through the intense press that Arsenal will try and, and put on, there's going to be chances for United to score. Um, if they can defend the way that they have. Look, we played against Liverpool at the weekend. Even though we conceded two goals, they were two isolated mistakes that were that were pretty bad. But for the most part, the defending was pretty good. It's, it's a shame. I don't think that the centre-back partnership is good enough for United to really win a title. And that's where we've spoken before. I think in big games, can you trust that? And that's the reason he goes for Fred and McTominay, even though against a team that will press you, it doesn't really work. So that's why you probably see the Fred and McTominay and then Pogba played from the right or from the left. And it will affect the attacking side of things a little bit because you don't have that extra kind of whether it's it's probably going to be Mason that drops out then it'll be kind of the split strikers with Rashford and Cavani um it, it, it's hard to know exactly what's what's going to happen but I assume that's going to be the team because that's when there's a big game that we need to win that's kind of how he goes with things and look the one thing I always get from the Arsenal games is anytime Arsenal are on a bad run of form and United are on a good run of form, United lose. Anytime Arsenal are on a good run of form and United lose again, United win. So it's the weirdest fixture the last couple of years. Um, like we saw a time when Emery was really struggling and United were flying and Arsenal beat United. We've seen times when Arsenal have been really good and then it comes to the United game, and then suddenly United pull out a win that none of us expect either. Personally, I just hope it's a really good attacking game at the weekend because the game that we saw earlier on the season was probably one of the most boring United so and Arsenal games I've seen in a long time. And personally, I prefer a game to be 3-3 than another 0-0. Or I know that Arsenal scored, but the way the game kind of played out, I prefer to see the way we played in the FA Cup against... Liverpool versus how we played against them in the league. That's the type of game I'd like to see. And look, when there's a lot of young players that are going to be on both sides, generally you you do see kind of that inexperience leads to a better game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Pete, we're going to finish off with you. How are Arsenal going to line up? Where are you guys going to trouble United? Who's going to be the key men? You're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's first one. I, I, I think it's going to be, I think it will be a, an interesting tactical battle. I mean, um, Arteta did a brilliant job against Southampton 
setting up a very tactical press, almost playing Southampton at their own game. Um, but I don't think they expected that. And now we have players that are good enough to execute um, a tactical battle. And I think earlier on in the season, Arsenal's approach was uh, fine margins, nick a goal. And United was basically the last game that we managed to do that before it all, all went south. I think that we're going to come to attack at the at the weekend. I imagine that we will try and target your centre-backs. Um, Martinelli didn't play um, against Southampton. He makes us a, a, a different force. So I think that it will probably be Lacazette through the middle as a, as a bit of a link-up player. And then you'll have three attackers in um, Gabriel on the left, Saka on the right with Smith-Rowe sitting in behind. And I think that we will try and create um, passing lanes and combinations and, and, and hit you on the break. And the hope is that Thomas Partey isn't injured and that maybe he plays next to someone like Mo Elneny, who will try and keep um, Paul Pogba uh, or and Bruno Fernandes quiet for the game. So I think, um, I, and then in defence, I think we've got a fully fit defence to choose from. Um, we need Kieran Tierney to be playing at left back because Cedric Suarez against United's front line at left back is probably not ideal. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're going to have a strong side. I think it's going to be an attacking game of football. I think the um, and it's it's going to be who finishes their chances um, because and, and hopefully there's a lot of them um, because you're right that last game it was like pulling teeth and it was very unlike Arsenal and Man United and I think both teams really need to win right you need to win to keep your title aspirations going because Manchester City look unbelievable at the moment ominous mate absolutely yeah, ominous. I think they're the best team in the league and you've got to keep um, keep the pace up with them and Arsenal have to win to stay in the top four hunt. And I don't think we'll finish top four, but if we beat United, it makes our next run of six games where we're playing Villa, Leeds, City, makes it a little bit less daunting. So um, it's, it's a cup final for both teams. And I think that that's, those, that, that's what makes Arsenal-United games great because they, they used to feel like cup finals and they haven't for a while. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I couldn't agree, agree more, Pete. Honestly, Pete, it's been an absolute honour. We'll be getting you on twice a season <laughs> every time thank from you. now on because you're absolutely top class mate my favorite guest i know kieran agrees with that so thank you for coming on where can the listeners find all your great uh, work if they want to read a little bit more about arsenal because you are for me like obviously myself and kieran both follow you but you are definitely one of the best arsenal writers out there content creators there's too many uh you know clickbaity channels but yeah you rise above the rest in that respect thank you i, I really appreciate that guys and i love what you're doing over here um, if you could, if you want to follow, it's at Legrove, L-E-G-R-O-V-E, and uh, got a podcast as well, which um, we should definitely get you guys on. Maybe in the post match, um, it's called the Arsenal Opinion, um, and you can find it on all of the podcast channels. But um, thanks for having me on. It's it's always great to have uh, uh, like a, an analysis conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's underrated, mate. You know, people should try it sometimes instead of shouting at a camera. But no, for sure, mate. Let us know. We, we'd love to do that, Kieran pleasure as always as you see as you can see behind kieran's got his own podcast as well kieran where can everyone find your great content and what are you doing as well in that respect yeah so they can find out the hollow sports podcast so um yeah we do a lot of stuff so we have a football podcast where we kind of talk about the main things that are going on in the premier league do a scouting analysis so we did one just last just this week on the signing of martin odegaard for arsenal 
Um, and also we have a, a rugby podcast that we've just started there as well. So again, just kind of getting something for everybody to, yeah, again, to get that kind of analysis in instead of kind of what we see is the reactionary um, videos that we see way too often on, on YouTube now. So that's what our main focus is. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Kieran's doing some great stuff. Definitely check out that podcast with Odegaard, all the Arsenal fans, because it's with Jonas uh, Giver, who is that La Liga journalist. Hey, he's got a great following. So he's brilliant. So we'll put that in the description below. Guys, thank you very much for joining us. Make sure you come back on Saturday for the Masterclass with myself and Rob Blanchett, the journalist. We do that every single week. It's a Manchester United tactical podcast. And we'll see you all next time. <laughs>